Welcome to the Prime Fitness Project. I'm your host, Eric Giroux. Get ready to talk all things fitness, wellness, strength training, and nutrition. Get yourself ready. Go blend up a protein shake, sit back, relax, and enjoy. What's happening, Prime community? It's Eric, and I just wanted to give you a quick introduction to this podcast. This is a little bit different than we've done before. This one, I am actually getting interviewed by a friend of mine, Matt Dillingham. He is the COO of A1 Solutions Group. They are a credit repair company. And he wanted to sit down and talk to me about fitness, and I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, we did an interview over YouTube, and it was really cool. And I said, yo, man, why don't you hook me up with the audio, and I'm going to put that on the podcast so I can shout it out to uh, all of my folks as well, too. So give this a listen, man. Give it a give it a, a, a fun ride. It was a good time having a, getting interviewed uh, myself instead of me doing the work this time. So it's pretty cool. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back again. This time, I look forward to this interview because like not only do I, <laughs> not only do I get to grill the shit out of Eric for once, but Health is very important to me. I'm very big on this, and it should be for you because, yes, we do credit repair and all that stuff, but what difference does it make to be able to work on your credit and your finances when your health is dog shit or you don't have the energy or you don't know what it is? Like, your health is the center of it all, and without it, you really don't have much. It doesn't matter if you have a billion dollars, a family, or anything else. You don't have that. What else, are you, what else can you try to get done? So today, I have the honor of a online virtual personal trainer named Eric Giroux. It's going to move well, I'll, I'll, I will ask him various questions on health, fitness, eating, <laughs> sweet, all this stuff. And he's going to geek out. When he does, you're going to get a ton of information. You made the watch this more yep. than once. And I hope you do because we're going to set the record straight, hopefully. I mean, that's a, that's a bold claim. Hopefully on get in shape, weight loss, all this stuff that people struggle with for a long, long time, and you don't need to. So that being said, Eric, welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, bud. This is awesome. I love talking. Good, good. (laughs) So the first question is, Eric, what's your story? How in the hell did you wind up in yelling at people, telling them in shape, and calling it personal training and not being a drill instructor like they do to us in the Marine Corps and boot camp? (laughs) so it kind of all started with a, like a personal story, honestly. I mean, um, growing up, I was, you know, I was always the skinny kid. I was always the kid who, you know, had, I had big, uh, awful, uh, we call them birth control glasses. Cause. Oh no yeah. Chance. They're talking about, <laughs> right, you know, talking about the big ones. And so, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was always outgrowing my clothes height wise, but never put on any size. Like, so I was, yeah. you know, anyways, I was always this really super skinny kid and I kind of graduated high school that way. You know, I never, never put on a lot of weight or anything. And, um, and I graduated, I think I graduated high school, like 148 pounds. I mean, this height at five foot, 10 and a half at like 148 pounds, I was super small. Wow. Then uh, I discovered, um, really crappy food and volume of food. And I discovered alcohol in my early twenties and yeah, your twenties will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I noticed that I'm, you know, actually I really didn't notice it for a while. I just was just kind of partying my face off and not really paying much of attention to anything. I'd go to the gym every once in a while because I had a couple of buddies that did, but yeah, there was nothing yeah. kind of behind it. 
um, I had a crowning moment, right? And so my mom and I were very close um, and we had a great relationship. And I went to go visit her one day and she was she was a caterer um, for our church and our uh, my elementary school that I went to. And so I went in to visit her at her kitchen one day and I'm grabbing something and putting it in my mouth. Yeah. And I kind of yeah. stretch back like this. I kind of stretch back with my hands overhead and she comes up and she puts her hand on my gut Ooh. and she says, oh, honey, what do you do? And I went, <laughs> I went, mom. She goes, she goes, I don't want to pick, babe, but she goes, I, I think you put on some weight. And I'm like, I have not. No, maybe a few pounds, whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, I got to get on a scale. I've been on a scale and I can't tell you how long. And so I was like 25 years old at that point in time. Yeah. And um, I got on a scale and I was 206 pounds. And <laughs> It's a big jump now, from 48. <laughs> it, well, in like seven years, right? That's the crazy thing. So like I graduated 18 there, seven years later, I was 206 pounds. And I was like, I don't I don't know what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Happened overnight. <laughs> and then so, you know, I kind of, I did that whole like, well, let me take a look at myself in the mirror naked and kind of say, I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. Well, it, that. Oh, okay. All right. I got it now. I'm seeing it. I'm, I'm putting it together. I mean, you know, I got it. All right. So. I decided I was going to jump on a little bit of a my own kind of transformation challenge. You know, I hooked up with a program that was pretty popular back then called the Body for Life program. Hmm. Um, and back in the you know the you know the mid '90s, and uh, it was it was a great experience for me. I did a 12 week program, and I focused a lot. I learned a lot about strength training. I learned a, you know I learned some about cardio exercise. Hmm. The biggest thing I learned a lot about was food right it was my biggest mm. thing and so yeah um i really dove into um understanding volumes of food and understanding macronutrients i became like i became obsessed with learning about it right yeah not about necessarily what it does for me but like i wanted to understand more and so in that 12 week time frame i went from 206 down to 168 and oh, wow. i uh I went from about almost 28% body fat down to about 12% body fat in that time frame. Um, and I, for me, it was a gigantic learning experience because I learned a few things. One, um, I had this realization that I love fitness, that I love to get in shape and I love to lift weights and I love to put it all together. Somewhere along the lines, because at the same time, right, what I didn't say is at the same time, I also worked for Domino's Pizza for a very long time. So I had Ooh. easy access to the shitty food. <laughs> I had easy access Ooh. to the are you, are you tired of pizza at this point? You're still like, I love pizza. <laughs> no, what's crazy is I am, I, I could, it, it's one of my top three favorite foods. I could still oh. crush pizza still to this day. Oh, um, okay. So uh, I realized at the time too, because I was a manager and I was starting to like train other people that I really liked educating. I really liked teaching. I really like this aspect of like guiding people to grow and to get better. And so I, I just met this guy who was a personal trainer and we kind of like hit it off a little bit. I was at the Bally's in Rockville. This is, you know, Rockville, Maryland. Oh, I remember Bally's. Yeah. <laughs> Bally's in Rockville, right? And so we just got to chat and the guy was really cool. And I was like, I think I, I, think I kind of like this idea. So I started to investigate the idea of, you know, of getting into personal training and what that meant. And then what I discovered when I learned about personal training and like what it meant and like what I needed to do to do it, what I figured is it also really hit another part of my life that was really part of my identity was the idea of entrepreneurism. 
because personal trainers, whether you work for a big box or you work for a gym, it's still very entrepreneurial in nature because you're developing your own client base. You're developing relationships with your friend, with, with these people. So it felt very entrepreneurial, even when I was working for a health club. Um, so anyways, I got, went out, I, I, I spent some time at Montgomery college doing their exercise science program so I could get myself ready to take my certification. I got certified by my first uh, certification in 1999. Uh, and then the rest, as they say, is history. Ever since then, I've, I could give you the whole entire resume of crap right. that I've done, but it's pretty long and extensive. But yeah, that's about the story of it. Gotcha. 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 Okay. And so you got into it. So specifically now, I kind of mentioned it, but like, what is it that you do now? Well, so, so we got to kind of backpedal a little bit, right? So now- Just a little bit, just a little bit to clarify. Because people yeah, don't yeah. So before, uh, So before I- was doing what I'm doing now. My wife and I owned a gym, right? So we had le both left the health club world. We were working in health clubs and my wife and I opened up a gym in 2000, um, uh, 2010, okay. uh, 11, sorry, 2011. We opened up a gym and it was a training studio style gym. So it wasn't like an open, you know, gym where you could come in and just uh, work out. Yeah. And we worked one-on-one -on -one and in small groups with clients. Um, Then fast forward to 2020 and the pandemic um, pretty much put a big kibosh on our gym for us. Within the yeah. first three months of uh, the pandemic, we lost 50% of our business. We lost 50% of our clients. Now we did what a lot of fitness studios did at that time is we pivoted and moved our business online, which basically just meant we were coaching our classes and our clients via Zoom like you and I are talking right now. Yeah. Um, which I still do to this day. I still have plenty of group stuff that I do today and I have, client, I have uh, a lot of clients that I work this way. But now what I've kind of evolved into is more of a coaching kind of model. Like okay. where my business is going forward is I really want to kind of walk with people hand in hand, develop programs, develop nutrition, develop skills, develop habits, not so much dependent upon me sitting there hanging out with you during a workout but more along the lines of me being kind of like your fitness Sherpa, right? And we kind of like, um, we develop and we coach and we kind of guide you, keep you accountable. That's what I kind of like doing nowadays. Uh, not that I still don't love doing the other stuff that I do, yeah. but this yeah. is where I saw my like next step, my next my next page in uh, in the world of fitness. And so I'm doing it all online nice. and I do it all through some technology, which is pretty awesome. Okay. Cool. Let's you know that you're you still do the uh, mostly virtual, but if you can, you will do the in person stuff because you can't count that out. There's something better about being in person. Different experience, different energy with that. Well, by in person, what I mean is like I'm just still doing it. Like I don't go to a gym. I, I still do everything on Zoom, right? So everything I do is like I'll train my clients and that I do workouts with over Zoom right now because I don't have a gym at I work out of. So okay, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. We're going to get to, we're going to get to nitty gritty the stuff where Eric's going to geek out. Here we go. All right. For you, I guess for, for your perspective, what's the number one number one mistake people keep making when they're trying to lose weight? Not understanding that the process of losing weight is about 95% about what you eat. Um Ooh. and so uh there's there's a cliched saying that you can't you can't out-train a poor diet. You can't out-train poor nutrition. That sort of yeah. thing. It's about 100% true. Yeah. Um, it really starts to play into more, uh, you start to understand it more as we get a little bit older, right? In your 20s, you can kind of get away with shit and you can kind of, you know, um, you can kind of 
you know, not have to pay as close attention to things if you're working out and you're working out hard. Things just, mm. but as soon as you hit 35, definitely once you hit 40, once you hit 45, I'm, I'm going to turn 49 in a couple months. Mm. Um, you, you have to pay really, really close attention to what you eat if you don't want to gain weight. Um, and if you want to lose weight, here's where it becomes the hard part, right? You want to mm. lose weight. It's not what you do for six weeks or not what you do for 21 days. It's what you do for 18 months, right? It takes a long time. Um, you don't put 10 pounds on of body fat in 10 weeks. You're not going to take it off in 10 weeks. And okay. so I think this, the society that we live in, um, mm -hmm. everything's what we call instant gratification. Yeah. You want to move at a lightning pace. It doesn't happen with fat loss. It just does not. Right. Um, and, and it's also, you know, I think understanding the difference between fat loss and just weight loss, because you can lose weight, right? You can lose weight. And that's a lot of water weight that you can lose. That's easy. Mm -hmm. um, but truly losing body fat takes time, takes dedication and consistency. And it's all about pretty much what you eat for the most part. Uh, and yeah. then after that, my, my hierarchy of weight loss, it goes like this. It's like nutrition, uh, strength training, cardio, or sorry, nutrition, strength training, total activity, and then cardio. That's like my, my hierarchy of the most important things to the bottom. Why cardio, cardio is the bottom and not like above total activity. So total activity means that you are, so it's something we call the thermic, I'm sorry, it's a, a neat a non-exercise activity thermogenesis, right? So the more neat we have throughout the day, the more movement you have throughout your day means your metabolism is staying in a little bit more of a heightened state throughout the right. day. And your body is having to use its energy, its fuel, its fuel that it's in its bloodstream. Cardio is short bursts, right? We're not going to do cardio for a very long period of time. What cardio is good for is cardio, building your up your respiratory and your heart strength. It's not necessarily going to help you you know, I think the big thought is like, we think of cardio, we think of, I'm going to burn calories, right? right. I'm going to burn. That's not how the body works. That's a ah. big, myth, right? The body doesn't burn calories like that. When we burn calories, it is really just a unit of measurement that we use for intensity of exercise. Okay. But your body doesn't really burn those calories in that time frame. It's just right. not how it operates. It's not how it operates. Because your body's, so, body's an intelligent design machine that's like, oh, I see what we're doing here. And it's like, I need you to do this, 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 to keep you alive, yeah. basically. Yeah. So in about 70% about of your caloric burn each day, this is no joke, about 70% comes from what we called your resting metabolic rate. That's if you were to just to lay on the ground for 24 hours and not move, right? Your body has a specific rate that it needs to just survive, right? Yeah. And so- about 70% of your caloric burn each day comes from that. Oh, then you've wow. got about mm, probably 15 to 20% is your uh, your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Then you've got about another, you know, again, five to 10-ish percent in that range um, could be your exercise. And then you've got a little bit of what we call your thermic effective food. So the fact that when you are eating certain foods, it makes your metabolism have to work a little bit harder uh, when to, to digest things. So, okay. but the bulk of what we do, right. The bulk of how we burn calories comes from, uh, you know, our RMR. Then people say, well, how do you, how do you increase your RMR? And that's why I say strength training right. comes right, right below, right below your nutrition, because when you are stronger, when you contain more muscle, when you contain more dense muscle, yeah. your body then burns more calories at rest during your resting metabolic period. Right, right, right. So I've I've done research on this about muscle, and it's like 
they say muscle is expensive and it requires more energy to maintain it because you're treating it. So it's healthy to have that. So you're doing yep. naturally as long as you, you know, obviously are consistent with it and keep it up versus doing it for, you know, six months and you stop and then you try to do it again and you stop. It's like, no, it's not <laughs> good. It's not good for you to do. I think next question about this, you know, um, I think you mentioned in our networking group, like you don't recommend people track their food. Did I hear that? I'm that customer next question. Oh no, I do recommend people track okay. their food. That's so then, all right, this question is changing. Like, because I thought you, I thought you said you mentioned like you you don't you you don't help people count calories or something like that or whatever it was. Oh no, I do. I, I'm okay. a, I'm a firm believer uh, when it comes to counting calories and tracking food. It I do it with all my clients. And now I know there's a lot of. Uh, you know, fitness influencers out there, a lot of other trainers out there tell you not to do it because of the perception that it gives and because of the, you know, the anxiety that it could give some people. Okay, that's under, then it might not be the road for you. Anxiety. But what I teach my clients is yeah. that th there is no judgment on your food tracking. What there is, is it's a, it's a metric and a learning tool, right? And so I think a lot of people, when they start to really track their food and be honest right? Be honest with the volume of food that they're putting in their mouth. They're kind of shocked yeah. at the number of calories that's in there, but in things. Um, so, you know, uh, it becomes really important as an education piece for people to kind of really help them understand. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So about calories? Um, Because I kind of went off on this before we started the interview. Is it all just coming down the calories and, 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 and all that when it comes to being yep. in shape or is there, or is there more to it than that? So it, what it, again, it defines, define what you want to be saying in good shape, right? Is it, do you want to be in an ideal body composition? Do you want to be in a, in a good, you know, we consider a good body weight? Um, you know, and usually here's the thing, like I'm, there's been a graphic that floats around the internet all the time on social media about like, there's like six different women in this picture. All of them are 154 pounds but all of them look different, right? right? All of them, right? And so what the, I think the thing that I, people need to understand is, you know, it's not necessarily the number on the scale, but it is the composition of what that weight is. Mm -hmm. And so to having an understanding first off of what is it for you that means, means to be in shape, right? And that's all individual. Yeah. And so, uh, there's also this, you know, like, I know me, I'm just going to use me personally, right? I know for me personally, when my body fat creeps over, we'll say 16%, over 17%, if I get up into that range of over over 15%, I feel like shit, hmm. right? And my body doesn't feel good. But that's also because I've been doing this for 23 years, 24 years, and I know what, what my body's in tune to. Um, I know that's when my joints start to feel like garbage. And I know that's when my, uh, I, I, notice a, I notice a lot of things. And so for me, it's real important to stay between that like 13 to 16% body fat range because uh, that's when I feel my best. Now, some people that might not be their range, but we do know that carrying excess body fat is hard on the body. Yes, Period. yes, yeah. You can still have, all right, this is a big topic that I have with a lot of people. Dang. You can still have all the great blood work in the world. This is, a, yeah. this, is we call it, this is where genetics and hormones come in, right? I know right. you're going to get the, you can have all the greatest blood work in the world sometimes you, know, you just get really lucky and you could be carrying 30 percent body fat mm -hmm. but what we do know is that 30 percent body fat right does lead to a host of other type of issues joints fatty liver 
um, could be some respiratory things. All of these things can start to come out if it's content continued over a long period of time. Right. So, uh, this is a very long answer to saying, um, you know, is it come down to, you asked me if it comes down to calories, the bottom line, any of these fad diets that are out there, any of these things that caused you to, uh, that you, people say that I'm losing all this weight on, whether it's paleo, keto, carnivore, vegetarian, vegan, it all boils down to these people have all restricted the number of calories they're taking in. Right. All of them. And so they've gotten into a point where uh, your body has learned how to, you know, evolve and adapt to whatever that food is you're eating, whatever you've restricted. Great. If it works for you, I'm never going to tell someone not to do it. Yeah. Personally, my clients, I always tell them that we eat a little bit of everything. There's nothing that we take off the table unless that's your choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, and let's, if weight loss is their goal, then yep, we're tracking calories and we got to find out where their sweet spot is. Yeah. Right. There's got to be a sweet spot of only a couple hundred calorie deficit per day. Can't be that big. I mean, I can't go from like 3000 to like 1200. Nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've nope. seen that. Right. Your so, body goes, mm, we're getting food. So we're going to adjust to what we're getting and slow down. It's like, and then people, and then people are hungry and stuff. It, it just backfires. So it does backfire. Yeah, yeah. it does back. And it, it really kind of messes with your system. And so, you know, you know, for somebody, well, I'll just use like a 250 pound person, right. Versus yeah. like 175 pound person. The 250-pound person, just out of sure mass alone, their resting metabolic rate is going to be higher than somebody who's a 175-pound. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so we need to take this person up here that wants to lose XYZ pounds, and we got to say, all right, we're going to, we really only need you to lose about, you know, have a deficit in your day of about 250 to 400 calories a day. That's max, right? Because um, we want to make sure that you're eating enough to kind of like support your RMR, your resting metabolic rate. If you're not eating enough to support your resting metabolic rate, then your body's like, eh, uh, <laughs> so what are you doing? Right. right. So therefore we are, like you said, we're going to start to slow things down. Your body's an incredibly complex and it's an incredibly adaptive machine that will write the ship for what it needs to do. Yep. Yeah, that is very true. Um, it's crazy. So the next question for you I have is, cause uh -oh. we talked about this before, once before, like, um, like how does the body actually use food? Because remember, I, I think I told you what, what I thought was like where you what you eat the next day or the day before your body uses that, or when you eat your body uses that food and it doesn't like because I forget what I said. And you're like you're like no, it's not how it works with your body. Just because what you eat <laughs> doesn't mean your body can use it right away. So ever since I heard that from you, I was like, so if what so if I eat a bunch of protein the night before, does that mean it's not gonna be used the next day, or what's my body going off of at that point? Like when you so eat. What's going the, the on? Thing, like, wait, okay. When that, uh, I'm sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. So I'm just trying to, I didn't know when you were ending there. I didn't mean to catch yeah, you off. Sorry. It's, it's been shocking um, too. The, um, the first thing we got to do is kind of like, you know, to talk about the, the, the macronutrients, right? Protein, yeah. carbohydrates, and fats. And, um, I make it super simple, right? With my clients in terms of, you know, um, the, where the most important macronutrient we look at is your protein. Right. Especially if you're doing a, a really consistent strength training program uh, becomes really important uh, where it gets hard is getting enough protein in people to support their system. There is what is the RDA, right? The RDA is put out by, you know, the uh, recommended daily allowance, which we have to remember what the RDA was set up for. The RDA was set up for you to not be sick. 
right? Oh, not I didn't know that. Thrive. Right. Ah. The RDA is set up for you to not receive, not to get sick. All of those vitamin levels that you've got on your RDA is just so you don't get into a sickly pattern of micronutrient or macronutrient deficiency. So what we say is like, we look at nowadays, we understand a whole lot more about our macronutrients and they're all important, right? Carbohydrates are like gasoline, right? They're like gasoline in your system. Um, they're the ones that are gonna fuel your bloodstream. They're the ones that are gonna fuel your movements. They're gonna fuel your brain. They're gonna ones that, that you need to have, right? The crazy thing is we probably don't need as much as we usually eat yeah. because we eat them in shitty forms that are super processed. Yeah, right, right, but right, yeah. Carbohydrates, right? You can you can it, potatoes get a bad got a bad rap for years, right? White potatoes and white rice. They shouldn't they're great for you, right? They're I'm glad. I I love jasmine rice, bro. <laughs> I mean, much better. Right? So here's the, like like some, some Moby Dick jasmine rice is the best. Uh, <laughs> But here's the thing, right? The the crazy part about like things like rices and potatoes, it's the portion size. Right. Right. It's one cup. One cup is a portion. And that's going to be about 175 calories and all the carbohydrates you need. The problem is, especially with rice, rice is usually a three cup serving for most Americans. Wow. They're usually eating three cups at a clip. And so as your body is taking in all of these carbohydrates and it's converting that source of food into fuel, it's turning it into glucose inside your bloodstream. When your body's got too much glucose going on, it's like, well, well, we've got too much. We're not moving. We're not doing anything. We're going to shift gears and we're going to store this as body fat. Yeah. That's what we're Because gonna, in case right? shit happens, there is no food. Oh, yeah. Let's so use the body fat. The body that, that, yeah, and that's when we produce all the insulin. People don't, don't know that. It's like, Oh shit! No wonder. But you buy this. You buy always source things as fat as an insurance policy. It's supposed to because historically, food has not always been abundant like it is today. Like go back the years, wars, natural disasters. You know, you're like, oh, there's no food. What do you mean all the crops are done? Shit! What do we do? Yep. <laughs> Your body goes, well, there's no food. Time to use what we have. You have all the energy. Now go get something because. This going last for so long until we start having to use the vital organs and then you're just done. Correct. I mean, that's kind of it is. And I think when you look at it like that, right, and you kind yeah. of look back to how the body has evolved, but we've also evolved, right? Modern day industrialized society, we've evolved again for the big reason is because we do have such easy access to food versus what you're talking about, which is, you know, 300 years ago, we, you know, once the crops went and if we didn't, dehydrate crops if we didn't you know can and store and do all those yeah. things the crops yeah. we didn't have shit for the winter time and so oh yeah that winter time i don't think people realize that like we grew up now like, oh this food i'm like wasn't like this back in the day you had to right. store shit because otherwise you're going everyone's gonna a lot of people want to die and you're like what happened with the bobby bobby because <laughs> bobby's family didn't store food <laughs> but so now right we're in this place right is where we have abundance right we have easy access to whatever we want and we have an easy access What's that? You can get food at three in the morning now. It's crazy. Yeah. You couldn't Delivered do that. You. You couldn't... Uber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You couldn't do that like 100, 200 years ago. It's like, what do you mean? Oh. Go to sleep. What are you doing? <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, uh, I think I think this was all, in, we're talking about, you know, the how we, you know, use our fuel. And the biggest thing to use our fuel and to use our calories, right, is to just move more. Right. Is we become a very sedentary society yeah. where we sit a lot. 
A lot of us have jobs where we're seated throughout the day where we're not really getting up and down and moving. Um, so we just need to move more, period. That's the that's the bottom line of it. Um, and that helps, right? That helps with the um, the ability for our body to use its fuel. Yep. Now, protein is a little bit different, right? Protein is something we want to kind of fuel our body with throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. the way your body, especially if you're doing any kind of, um, you know, programmed resistance training program where that you're, you know, you're trying to really uh, get stronger, increase your muscle mass, whatever the, the goal is, mm. you need to fuel your protein throughout the day. Doesn't necessarily mean it has to be right after your workout. If you're a bodybuilder, yes. If you're an average Joe or Jane, no. Right. And so as long as you're fueling your body throughout the day, right. And you're getting your body, the protein that it needs, then you should be good to go. And so, um, but, and your carbohydrates are fast, right. You were talking about how your body looks, uses them quick and let's go of them quick. Well, let's go. We're not done yet. You forgot one of those macro nutrients. Oh, fats. Yeah. Fats. Let's talk about because people are like, Oh my God, fat. I'm like, it's not a bad thing. You do need some fats and like, it's not, it's, it's not a bad thing. You need trans to fats good are terrible, but like you need to have some fats and like, and it's funny because people are like, Oh my God, I eat fat. You know, I store like, no, cause your body then uses fat. It wouldn't make sense. It, it's stone. There are fats your body does need, but people like avoid it. I'm like, I don't obviously well, from, from basically 1970 through about 2005. Yes. Right? Basically that long, that long a period of time, we were told that fats are the enemy and that we should eat carbs, right? We should eat a lot of them and that, <laughs> right. and that, and that bagels are good and that Cheerios are good and that all these things are good for us. When I don't want to demonize those things because yeah. I fucking love a bagel and I love some Cheerios, right? But they aren't, they, we ate them way too much, right? Yeah. So we have gift three decades of, of, of learning, right? To say, okay, I, I don't want you to think that, you know, we have to, Ex, you know, exercise all the carbs, we yeah. have to get some smarter carbs in our, in our diet. Yeah. When it comes to fats, here's what we know about fats, right? They're harder to digest. They take longer to digest, right? But they're very calorically dense. If I'm to give you a caloric load for each macronutrient, one gram of fat has nine calories, one gram of protein, one gram of carbohydrate has four calories each. So you can see that when we have more of our fat, Mm -hmm. right? It's almost double the calories of the other two. Right. But here's where fat is helpful. One, we need them for certain vitamin absorption, right? Mm. For have better micronutrient absorption, we need fats in our diet. Mm. Um, certain fats um, help us feel a good sense of satiety. Yes, right? it's they, true. They give, <laughs> they give you that feeling of like, oh, I feel, I feel a little fuller. I feel satisfied with what yes. I'm eating. Um, so Fats give you that as well too. Plus there's also a little bit of a thermic effect with fats where your body has to, you know, Work absorb them a little bit differently. Yeah. People get freaked out of like, do fats affect my heart? Not necessarily. There's not enough evidence. And if anybody wants to, I'm just going to throw this out there from out there. If anybody wants really sound, awesome, great, like researched nutrition, like uh, information, follow Lane Norton on Instagram. He is okay. the best. And uh, he is... His stuff is real, honest to God, researched material. And he'll tell you like straight up, you know, there's not enough research. There's not enough what we call causation versus correlation. There's not enough causation to say that fats are really bad for our heart. Now, yeah, trans fats. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oof. Oof. Right. That's a man-made fat, right? We know that's yeah. a garbage fat. So trans fats, we know we have that we have the evidence that says that's crap. 
Yeah, that's crap. Because <laughs> your body, because I also learned too, like, when, like, and this goes in with sugar, like, when your body gets up, it doesn't know what to do with, it causes damage, but then your body stores as fat, because it's like, what am I doing with this? Uh, all right, fat. And that's why sugar is like terrible for you, because it's a, it's a, in in the in years of evolution, right? We're used to all these foods and sugar. If you look at like if you look at on like a time scale, sugar's like if I forget I forget the analogy, but it's like in grand scheme of time, bink, we're here and sugar's like and we've been around for a while and sugar just came out of nowhere and our body's like we don't know what to do with this. I mean, it's naturally it's, there's fruits, but like man made sugar and all that shit, our bodies are like. I can't work with this. We're not adaptive force. It causes all those harm and stuff, but it's so addicting though. Crazy. So the, the, the thing with sugar, right, is that it's the processed sugar is where, is where the problem is. And so unfortunately, like the natural sugars that you find in fruits, this drives me bananas when people tell me I'm not going to eat an apple because it's got too much sugar in it. I'm oh like, my God, apples are so good for you. That's stupid, right? That's yeah. dumb because an apple is incredibly packed with micro micronutrients that you need plus a ton of fiber. Yes. Right, a ton of fiber, which is something that we don't eat enough as as a society. And so the sugar that is inside fruit, your body, because of the fiber, digests it a little bit differently than, say, the sugar that's in a packet that you would dump in your coffee. Ah, okay. Because that's just straight sugar in your bloodstream. <laughs> straight sugar in your bloodstream. Woo! <laughs> right. And so, uh, and yes, we've made it incredibly abundant and now wow. we've also hidden it in so many different things that are out there it's oh, again yeah. it's it's not that it's because look i'm going to eat a cookie i'm going to eat a brownie i'm going to eat those things that are going to have sugar in it but i'm also going to be smart with the volume of it right yeah the volume the, the volume the um what's the word i'm looking for um portion control no 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 Port, it's volume of it and then like uh the the occurrence like they're, they're, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, if you do Volume it like occurrence. once a week, fine. Once every couple weeks, it's fine. Daily, that's a problem. That's, that's not a cool. problem. Like yeah, <laughs> like if you have a Chris party this week and one next week, you can manage it. You know, plan it out. I do intermittent fasting and all stuff, so I've done that too to help mitigate that stuff. Is what it is. But of course, I know. I know you're talking about like speaking of because I know you because you you mentioned earlier how when your body gets to a certain point of body fat, you, you feel like shit, right? Yeah, I bet you can relate to this. That I've had, we've all, we've all days later, like my girlfriend and I have talked about stuff where like, I think it was, there are days we've just eaten like just, I think two meals of fast food ever. And I was like, I don't want to do this again for like six months to a year. It was <laughs> only sure. two meals. It wasn't a daily thing. My body's like, don't do this. Shit. It just felt off. I was like, don't do this shit again. Get back on track. And I was like, and in those moments, I'm like, how do people eat like that virtually all the time? I know they've adjusted to it, but I'm like, I I couldn't do it. I'm like, I, I'm not going to do that. No. <laughs> so that's a that's a whole nother, we could do a whole nother podcast on the psychology behind it all and how mm -hmm. people, people actually don't know that they feel like shit, right? Because they've just lived so that used way for a long time. Yeah. They've gotten so used to it. They don't know that they feel like shit. They've just gotten used to this current homeostasis of whatever their homeostasis is and they don't know that they could be feeling a whole lot better oh wow yeah we're gonna have to discuss that another another time <laughs> we'll be all willing yeah, for like five like, hours oh um, maybe we'll get Deborah to come on the podcast for that one too I'm sure exactly <laughs> so food i'm glad we discussed that exercise for you what is one mistake the number one mistake you continue to see people do when it comes to this exercise 
man, that's hard. That's, that's my second ooh for the day. I got Deborah on the two. She went ooh. I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, you know, so here's the thing. Like, I okay. I'm gonna generalize here for a second because I could I could break this down into a bunch of different ways, but I'm gonna mm -hmm. generalize. And I'm gonna say right now, because this is really what a lot of my focus is with clients and really what my focus is with, uh, it's been my focus actually for a long time, yeah. is not prioritizing strength training, mm. right? Not prioritizing strength training. And um, the majority of my clients, my entire career has been women. I'll probably say it's been about 75% women. Yeah. And convincing women too along the way, still to this day, right? That lifting weights is not going to bulk you up. <laughs> I, don't, so, I don't know why they still believe that when like the only way for women to get like that is one, two, is one, a freak in nature genetics Two, you yep. got to take supplements to do that. You're just not naturally designed that way. You're not, you'll just get more. And, and by supplements, we mean steroids. <laughs> steroids. Yes. That's, that's the only way it's going to happen. Other than that, it's like, right. I don't know why women are like, you're fine and then they stick with this cardio the whole time like and then you wonder why they're not getting results like you got to do strength training yep got to no lift some around. weights man you got to move some weights with purpose and you've got to lift weights that challenge your body i think that's probably my the biggest right now i probably say that's the biggest mistake there's probably a bunch of little mic ones that i could put in the micro yeah. but if i had to put one in the macro and kind of look at it you know in the big yeah. picture it's just not prioritizing strength training and doing it more frequently like you know, there's plenty of studies that say you can get away with one to two days a week of strength training. Yeah. Again, it's kind of like the RDA. It's going to keep you from getting sick. It's going to keep you from, you know, making sure that you can't get up and down out of a chair, right. but are you thriving? Right. So I would say, you know, I always minimally for me, for most of my people, I say it's a minimum of three days a week, but I prefer a five day a week strength training program for folks. Well, let me ask you this too. And then is because, um, I saw this one guy, one trainer, I forget his name, bulky dude, that you could do too. Because what I've done, just just for sake of time, what I, what I got going on, I do, mm -hmm. I do I do strength training, but I'm doing like the whole body, like full body. Sure. So with that, can you reduce it down to like choosy? Because you also have building time to recover as well. Because I've had moments the next day where I'm like a little sore. I'm like, all right, and, and also too, I run. So if you're doing if you're in a full body with weights, one you're gonna feel it. Like it, it's more energy that you can that you use. But yep. can you can you, can you keep it a two or or would you recommend like three times a week to do that? So I think it depends on the intensity and the volume, right? And so it also depends on where you are on the scale of beginner to intermediate to inter advanced exerciser, right? If you're a beginner and you're doing two days a week of full body, 45 minute strength workouts. Okay. You can get away with that. Yeah. Um, if you're in the intermediate range, it's going to be a little bit harder. If you're an advanced exerciser that, um, you're trying to kind of like move the needle for yourself, mm -hmm. you probably need to be at three, maybe even four full body workouts a week. Um, and that being said, like with that kind of workout, right. And this is, this is another thing too. Yeah. Having the understanding of a full body workout doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be destroying muscle, right? At, at a rate that you can't recover from. Yeah. Um, that's what we call, you know, a, you know, a body part workout or a split workout that kind of thing where you're doing upper versus lower. There's a bunch of different ways to handle it, but the volume of load that you're handling in those up in those full body workouts probably isn't going to be enough to 
shut you down from a recovery standpoint. You have yeah. a day in between, that's all your body needs, right? You're gotcha. fine. Oh, good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I'm not going to, I like how he's just going in a almost circle. So, okay. The point question I have with this is like, because, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, you hinted to it. Oh, other than that'll, that'll, you, you, uh, you froze there. Hold on, go back oh. to that again. <laughs> no, I was saying but this other question goes back to something you hinted earlier about um, thermo. You said, for lack of a better word, thermogenic foods. Yeah. The thermic effect of food? Yeah, thermic for you. So I was, my next question is, 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 is other than fasting, because clearly if you don't <laughs> eat for like a week, you're going to reduce body body fat, obviously. Um, what is like, how do you get your body to use it to reduce its body fat, right? Other than if you're obviously overweight initially, yeah, but be you, how do you get your body to do that? Because your body, again, only wants to use that when it has to. It's a reserve. That's what it's there for. So it's it's very specific. So it depends. Like So um, again, this is where we go from the novice to the intermediate to the advanced person. Right? Where are we on the scale? Are we talking about somebody who's in good shape that's trying to get cut up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Or are we talking about somebody that's trying to get healthy? that wants to lose body fat to just to get themselves in a healthy range. So this is, you know, that's why it's a, it's a, it's, it depends. It's an, it depends question. Right. So I can't really say there's one, one answer. Let's just say, let's say it's person who's like, I'm trying to get cut, you know, okay. They work out regularly. So, so what do they got to do? To go, to try and get cut, to go from, we're going to say an average, like 16% body fat down to single digits. You're looking at probably a minimum of 12 weeks of cut work, right? Of making sure that um, at that range, right? To get into that range for a guy, and we're going to use a guy as an example here because that that range is really hard for a woman and it's not super healthy either. Um, but to, for a guy to get down into a cut range like that, one, the, the, the protein intake has to be through the roof. The strength training has to be five days a week. Um, the protein intake has to be, almost be like one for one pound for a gram. So if you're a 175 pound guy, you should be eating about 175 grams of, of protein a day, give or take. Wow. Um, you need to really kind of look at uh, like the timing and the control of your carbohydrates as well too, and your fats. Your calories have to be on point, like wow. within within 10 to 15 calories of what your RMR is every day. You can't be, there's no room for error to get from there to there. Um, that's why the world of bodybuilding is so incredibly hard, um, because it is a, it's basically a form of controlled starvation, right? That's exactly what it is. And so you're learning, and this is also why those guys eat. This is where the whole concept of you need to eat six small meals a day came from. Uh It came from bodybuilders because that's what they have to do. (laughs) They have to do us. (laughs) Right. Correct. They have to do that because they have to fuel their body very timed, very specific to get themselves into that lean range. Um, that's not normal humans, right? Normal humans don't do that. Most average Joes and Janes who are sitting behind a desk during work days, um, they don't need to snack. They don't need to eat six small meals They're And again, I don't want to make it for your audience out there. Yeah. Again, there's going to be outliers. There's going to be exceptions to the rule where there's going to be some people who say, I feel great eating six small meals a day. Great. That's probably not the majority. Right. I don't want to take that away from you. If that's yeah. working for you, Man, freaking tastic, man. I love it. Um, and this means that your genetics are set up for that, but that's not going to be the majority of the people. So, yeah. um, you know, I think when we, when we look at how do we get to these levels, it's about really trying to decide what it is 
what it is the goal you're trying to achieve. Like if it, if it is to get down to what we call single digit body fat, that's freaking hard, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's work. It's, it's like a work. second job. Jeez. Yeah. All right. So leading to our muscle, right? What is, and you kind of answer this, like, so I, I got to make this specific, obviously weights, weight resistance mm-hmm. um, is the best of your muscle. The question I got is like, for this is, how do you do it to your muscle that if you're trying to get your muscles to grow bigger, what's the best mm-hmm. way to do it? And second question is why is, you know, building muscle so vital to your health and just like, you know, using weights and keeping that active. Okay. Stimulated. So let's tackle one at the beginning. Let's, let's tackle um, how do we grow volume of muscle? Basically you're talking about muscular size, right? Yeah. So that's a, that's a style of training we call hypertrophy training. Right. Um, where you're you're trying to create what's called time under tension on your muscles, which means the longer time that your muscles are under tension, the more your body has to then adapt and create more muscle fibers. Okay. So hypertrophy is basically the act of your body increasing its number of muscle fibers and fibrils. Mm. And that really comes from slow weight training. Okay. And in a repetition range of like eight to 12 reps. Okay. Slow controlled to what we call metabolic fatigue to a point of where, when you're lifting weights. And again, I always like to use, cause it's a great visual, like the bench press is a great visual, right? You can feel yourself pressing. You can pull your arms forward and back. Yeah. And you get to that point where you can't control one more quality, quality repetition. Okay. That's probably your end point right there. And that should be, so your weight load should match that eight to 12 rep range in there when the last two to three reps are your fatigue of quality repetitions. That's hypertrophy training. Now that done over the course of, we'll say six months might gain you about, you ready? Maybe a pound and a half of muscle. Gee, that's it? <laughs> yep. It takes a well, lot. What did you say earlier? You said earlier, muscle's expensive, right? Right. Right. Muscle's expensive. So it's hard for your body to build muscle. Now, there's going to be, again, some genetic outliers out there. Right. There's going to be some people whose genetics are set up where they're going to put on five, six, seven, eight pounds of muscle in that time frame. Jeez. Okay. But again, that's when they've also got the dedication and the time and the ability to put all of that in there to getting big. <laughs> right. Oh, no, and let's not forget that, that they also have to right. that's why eat a lot of protein. Yeah. Well, that's what bodybuilding makes sense now. Why that is a legitimate full-time job because Full-time that because so so people you see on there have been doing that for years for years years for years and, you know, and they go through seasons right so when so say they've got like when the guys get ready you know it's hard to talk about mr olympia because those guys are all jacked on roids anyways pretty much but when you talk about when you talk about guys that do natural bodybuilding yeah they're going to be using some kind of supplement or you know some kind of enhancements to their but you know, they have seasons, right? Where they, they can't live that way all year round, right? Yeah. They can't, your body just can't. So they have to come out of the seasons and they have to put some body fat back on. They've got to, otherwise they're just, you know, it's really, it, that whole cycle is actually really rough on the system too. It really is. It's hard. So it's not, it's, it's not a really a long-term sustainable thing. It's like in short bursts and that you, you do it once and just, just be done with it and just maintain your fitness from there. Basically. Yep. Just maintain your fitness. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what was the second part of that question? I forgot. Shit. Why is building muscle so important to your health? So the biggest reason, right? So if we're going to break it down, to, I call it two reasons. One, to keep you more metabolically active at rest. That's yep. number one. And then two, I say, my biggest thing is as we get older, it's so that I can keep doing the shit that I want to do without any issues. Yep. Right? Yeah. So that I can, because 
you get to the age of 30, right? We start to lose a pretty decent percentage. It's between five and 10% if we're not keeping up with it of our muscle mass every year or every decade or so, yeah. every decade. So it's called sarcopenia. Mm. And so if we're not keeping up with that, and the only way to keep up with it is to continually challenge your muscles, not only just from a physical standpoint, but also from a neurological standpoint, <clears throat> because your brain has to fire your muscles, right? So there's a two-way component of making sure that, you know, strength training, not only for the long-term, again, keeps you more metabolically active, but it also allows you to maintain a better quality of life as you get older. Right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people don't know that. And that's why I've seen like people who are elderly and they're like barely moving. And you're like, if I were to sneeze, would I blow you in half or just like, boop, and they're just yeah. done. It's like, and there's a reason for not to judge people, but I've looked at it and go, I don't want that to be me ever. So I'm going to do everything I can now and keep maintaining it so I can just be mobile. Like it, yeah. it's, it's sad to see people who are like, you're not that mobile. And that's what, what happened along the way, you know, other than a freak accident, that's different, but that is a process. Yeah. You know? I had a colleague and this was a great story. And this is, this is one of the ones that's it's stuck with me for years. I was taking a conference from him years ago. And he was, he was out in somewhere in California and he just happened to be, he was just when he first started training. This is before he became like the big wig that he is today. And he, um, he was at a bus stop and there was an elderly woman at the bus stop and yeah. they just got to chatting at the bus stop and they were at the bus stop together. And, um, they got to chatting and she was talking about how hard it is for her to go up and down the stairs and this sort of thing. And so he, he said, well, here's what I want you to do. And he showed her how to do a chair squat using the bench at the bus stop. Oh, wow. And he said, I want you to do, I want you to start for the next week. And I want you to do 25 a day. I don't care how, when you do them, right? You can do five here, five here, whatever. But I want you to do 25 of these chair squats a day. Then the next week, I want you to do 30. She did this for, uh, she did it for three months. She came back. She found him at his gym that he was working at, found him at his gym. They exchanged, you know, enough information that she could come find him. And she showed him that she could walk up and down stairs without a problem. Wow. She showed him that she could do body weight squats without the chair behind her anymore. And she said, she told her that, told him that her quality of life has improved exponentially just from squatting every day. That was it. And so she eventually got up to doing a hundred a day. And uh, wow. I guess down the road, they ended up, uh, because they weren't close to each other in terms of proximity for working out. She joined a gym. She started doing barbells. And this was all at the age of 75. Wow. Wow. Yep. That story always sticks with me. And I'll never lose that story. Your body is, is, is truly designed to be active and adapt, regardless of what it, it doesn't matter. And that always makes me hope, like, oh, I'm 37 now. I'm like, you know what? I can still, like, just, I'm like, just keep going. Do what you can. Because there are people my age. I've seen, like, I've seen people my age group, my friends, who are like, we're on weight. And I'm like, oh, no, you've already stopped, bro. We're not 90. And I've yeah. seen it. And I'm like, because I remind myself, you're doing way more than people in your age group right now. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> it's, it's true, man. So many people, I remember if we were in your 20s, everyone's like active and stuff. And I feel like, specifically for us men, I can't tell you, I can't for, for us men, and tell me if you agree with this. About teens to 20s, we're like up there. It, it, either we have it, the genetics, we don't work out, or we do, right? And we maintain, maintain it. And I feel like somehow 
like late 20s, like 20, 29, maybe, but definitely, definitely at 30, we just kind of go, all right, I'm just gonna let it go. And I'm like, why? Why? Well, there's a few me? reasons for that. There's a few reasons for that, Ron. And um, there's some of it's um, societal, some of it is, um, you know, what we, uh, co not coincidence, but it's uh, affected by the things that we're doing. So if you think in your teens and your 20s, right? Uh, you really have nothing that you're responsible for other than yourself. Yeah. Okay. It's just you. And so really you can work out, you can play, you can be active if you want, you can do whatever you want. Even if you're in college, you're still pretty busy. You're just doing stuff. Yeah. Then you get your, then you get out of school and you get your first job out of school, right? You get your first job and you go from doing all this shit to all of a sudden doing nothing. Right. right? Now all of a sudden you're at a job. And again, I'm not speaking for everybody. I want to speak for the majority where you're now sitting behind a desk every day and all of a sudden you feel worse because now you're just kind of here. And then as you get closer to 30, now all of a sudden you, now you're fighting the effects of age, right? So now that needle starts to go this way from age, metabolism comes down. That's starting to happen. You're getting weaker because you're not, you're not moving as much, you're right. not playing as much. So that's where, as we get older, because we don't play, we don't do the things that we did when we we're younger. We have to, supplement with strength training we have to supplement and that's why it gets harder as you get older right you have to oh, kind of choose oh all right opinion Ooh. Oh, when, it comes, when it comes to these diets and eating and what drives me nuts i've seen competing evidence on both sides and i'm like mm -hmm. this is why people are confused so like vegan carnivore mm -hmm. omnivore vegetarian shit keto mm -hmm. like is, is there one magical diet to follow nope. or is it, what's your opinion on how, how do we navigate this? Cause I've seen people on carnivore, like, no, I'm healthier, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. Then some people vegetarian are like, oh, meat's terrible for blah, blah, blah. Or, no, more so the vegans. And I'm like, okay. And they're, and, and what drives me nuts is when you have doctors on both who I believe are not being influenced by anyone paying them to say this stuff. Right. I go, I was giving, I, I was like, well, fuck, I'm just going to eat everything within moderation, of course, because this is like, this right. is why people are confused. We have two different yeah. doctors competing with each other, telling you their evidence and it's convincing. It, it, which one is it? Is it, does it really matter? Or is it specific to the individual? With, with some universal truths that everyone goes by, and after that, then it becomes specific. A lot of what you just said, right? So um, I think not to damn any of these, right? Because for, for obviously they're here because some people have had great success with them. Right. right? Clearly. Um, and if that success is working for you and your blood panel numbers are in check and you feel good, your inflammation is in check, you feel strong, you've got energy. Okay. Who's to, who am I to say, don't do right. that. Right. Right. If we look from a cultural perspective, right across the globe i mean it's kind of people eat that way anyways they kind of like find their niches that they eat in yeah nobody yeah. eats the way americans do right we it's just we're yeah. very we're number one in that shit <laughs> we're very yeah, unique. No one, no one, we, just no one eats like us and no. so um i don't think there's any one out there that's good or bad uh, I do think that, it, so and then again, this is all anecdotal, just in working with plenty of clients who have tried to be ve vegan or vegetarian, they have a hard time getting in enough protein. 
You're right. Not saying that it can't be done, right? You can get in adequate protein, protein on both of those lifestyles, but it's quite a lot though. <laughs> it's work, man. <laughs> it is work. Like you've got to be ready to work. Um, you be ready <laughs> what do you to mean have to work to eat? I can't just eat. It's like, yeah. it's like I, I mean, like chickpeas. Yeah, chick, chick but there's plenty are... of guys out there like there's you know there was this big exception a few years ago of this like all pro you know vegan bodybuilder part of oh, it was yeah. the genetics, right i mean a dude was jacked and he you know he you know didn't eat didn't touch any animal proteins or dairy or anything he was jacked but that's also his genetics too right so his genetics work for that and so that is going to be the exceptions to but unfortunately that's what people see right right they see the exceptions they don't see the rule and they see that, oh, well, if Tom, Dick, and Harry are getting jacked eating vegan, I'm going to do the same thing, right? Um, so I, I think you need to kind of, I think people need to understand what fits their lifestyle the best, yep. keeps them in a healthy caloric range, and make sure that their micronutrient level is in an adequate place. Yep. Yeah. I like it. Simple. simple. Just simple. keep it simple and go and go. And then, I guess, experiment with one, see how it works, and... Like you said, if you feel good, everything's in check, then keep doing it. If some changes, change, 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 uh, change it up. So and that's the thing too is don't be afraid to change yourself either. Like you, okay, if you're gonna put the label of carnivore on your on your head, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I think I might want to have a salad. Great, eat a freaking salad. Right, <laughs> exactly. How dare you? I'm like, because you can change. <laughs> Last question I got for you. And this, this, and I think this would be good because we, as we end the end this year, going to the following year, because everyone's going to be like, "I'm oh, in shape this year," like they said this year and prior year, and for that, and you know, it just it gets depressing. What are your top three tips to get and stay in shape? Well, I think to get in shape, right, usually means that we are trying to achieve something. What does that mean? What are you trying to achieve? So that's number one, right? We have yep. to kind of figure out what does that mean for you? Most people, if, if you're talking about like you were just saying, like coming up into the new year, right? We're looking at resolutions and getting in shape for most people means I need to lose X, Y, Z pounds yeah. and I need to move better and feel better. But it almost always starts with, I need to lose X, Y, Z pounds. The first thing I always ask people is what's your why, right? Why do you feel like you need to lose this weight? First off, um, not to deter you, but you need to have an anchor to that why. You need to have an actual reason as to why you want to lose weight. Telling me that you want to get in better shape because you think you should, <laughs> that's that's never going to work. Right. So number one would be to, to anchor your goal to a reason why. It's got to be, and it's got to be something that is deep, man. It's going to be something, a reason that makes you want to move the needle. Second, to get yourself there and to stay in shape is to create consistent habits, right? You've got to get to a point where you just, the shit that you do from a fitness standpoint is second nature and you don't even have to think about it anymore. It's not like you have to go out and plan. You don't have to, it's just part of what you do. Mm. Um, and you have to start telling yourself, I am a fit person. I am going to do this instead of saying, I'm going to try. Cause when you say going to try, you leave that little crack of door open yeah. that says I can, I can fail. Right. So let's work on consistency. Let's anchor your why. And then for the longevity of it all, give yourself some grace, right? Because you're going to have 
it, once you start this journey in your in the new year or whatever your time is you decide to start, life happens, shit happens where you're going to have three, four, five, six, seven, ten days, two weeks, whatever the time frame is, where shit's going to go off the rails and you might not have the exact routine that you want to have. Yeah. Be flexible, be understanding, and understand that those two weeks or that time frame that you fell off the rails or that you had to you had challenges with your program does not define the longevity of your goal. Yeah. It's just a yeah. little micro speed bump. Right. And yep. so to just move on, get back on whatever your track is and move forward. Don't look behind, just look forward. Good advice. I like it. I think the biggest one there, people, people that that mess people is like you said, give yourself the grace and understanding. Because we don't, and then we're like, ah, oh, and we then we get hard on ourselves, and then we stop. Exactly, that's exactly. Like, what it doesn't doesn't help. It's like if those things, those thoughts come up. Be a piece of them, love them, and go. All right, I'm starting here. Move forward. I'm starting over. That's, I'm that's, starting here, and just keep going. And that's where having a coach comes in handy, right? Not that I'm trying to say like, call Eric, but I'm saying this is where when you feel like you've made you've made mistakes, you've made errors, whatever it is, and you're having a hard time, have a coach that you can talk to and talk it through. Yeah. Someone's going to say, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily, let's just kind of like, you know, walk it through and kind of how can yeah. we, how can we kind of navigate this and maybe learn something from it to help you next time it comes around? Cause it's going to happen again. Life is going to happen again. Life does not stop happening. Yep. So. Cool. All right. That's all I got. I asked you quite a bit, bro. <laughs> you know i can talk so that's good that's good i like it oh wait one more thing i can't believe this this is my fault for people to watch this how can they get a hold of you oh so i mean you can easily find me my website sucks right now i'm gonna say that but uh primefitnessmd.com is my website um you can find me at eric at primefitnessmd as in maryland.com i'm also on instagram as eric Fit. Uh, and that's E-R-I-C-G-I-R-O-U-X-F-I-T. Uh, Instagram there, Facebook. Uh, I just started the TikTok a couple of months ago. We're trying to figure that mess out. So, oh, yeah, um, but yeah, that's the best way. You know, email, um, you know, social media, all those spots. You can find me there. Cool. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it. We've uh, helped to, I guess, dispel. No, 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 that's wrong. Bring clarity into the world of health and fitness. Sweet, there's, I like that. There's, there's there's a lot of crap out there. There it's is a good. lot of crap. So much is pure bullshit. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Let's do this. All right, man. Uh, Eric, thanks for coming on, bro. It's been good. I, have, I appreciate I, it. Thank I you. Watch this again and be like, oh, that's what he said. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't lying. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to the gym three days a week now. That's not a problem. But anyways, cool. All right, Eric, I'll have you on again for another 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 session. So cool. Appreciate that it. Sounds good, man.